Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Well Read Podcast. This is our last episode of 2023. That's right. We've got one left, and it's this one, yep. and you're already watching it or yep. listening, wherever. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, not our last episode ever. No. Just of this year. Just this year. Just it'll be it'll be a good it'll be a good wrap up one. It'll be fun. We started the episode with just the two of us on a podcast, and we're gonna end out the year doing the same thing. Yep. Um, I think we started the year. What was it? The how to read your Bible. Why was first. Why yeah. why you should read your Bible mm-hmm. and how to read it. Uh, and then we started having guests on after that, and we've had an awesome year. I yes. mean, awesome podcasts um, or awesome guests on the podcast, and everybody has just been. Uh, really great to get to talk to, even though I wasn't in those episodes, some of them. Uh, I still got to listen to them. I was usually sitting right off yep. camera, so I still felt like I got to participate, even though I, I didn't really. But I'm getting to participate this time. Yes. So. Welcome back. Glad to, to glad to be here. Let's finish out the year strong and, you know, do all the things. Yes. So tell us what we're going to do today, because um, I don't know. He does. He's just being silly. So, or maybe he doesn't. Who knows? We're about to find out. So, what we're talking about today is our words and verses for 2023 and what God taught us and what we learned. And then, looking to 2024, our words and verses for the new year and what we're hoping to learn and you know, looking towards in the new year. So, with cool. that being said, do you want to share your word and verse for 2023, and then I'll share my word and verse for 2023. Yeah, so my word for 2023 um, was the word lead, um, and uh, not led, not past tense, and not led like what you should not consume, but lead, um, and my verse for the year was Matthew 20, 26, which is, I had it, but I didn't bookmark it, here it is, Uh, it's Jesus talking and he says, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Um, and it's talking about like the way that we as people should lead. And I know that verse doesn't actually say the word lead, but that whole, um, passage is talking about leadership and primarily servant leadership, which is exactly what Jesus modeled here when he was on this earth, um, you know going around about doing his ministry for three years. So that was my word, lead, and my verse, Matthew 20, 26. Very good. Well, my word for 2023 was humility. And then my verse was actually two verses. They were, you know, right next to each other. So it's First Peter 5, 6 through 7. And it's, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So one thing I wanted to like point out at the beginning whenever I was, you know, thinking about this episode and, you know, preparing for it was like, how, and we've talked about this before, but like how hand in hand that our words kind of went, which yeah. was pretty cool. Cause like, obviously, like you said, servant leadership to truly lead biblically, you have to do it with humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like looking at it from like a marriage perspective, like, obviously, biblically, we know that the wife's role is submission and the, you know, husband's role is to lead, you know, like, the husband represents Christ and then the wife represents the church. So I thought that was interesting that, like, you know, you're my husband and your word was lead. But obviously, to do that well, you have to be humble like Christ. And then, like, likewise, you know, I'm your wife and my word was humility. But And to submit to any authority, whether that's at, you know, work, 
mm-hmm. your husband, whatever, like that requires humility. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And that's actually, I was going to say like, and she brought it up before I got a chance to, <laughs> um, our words really did. They felt like, um, especially as the year went on and on, um, how those words became more and more, um, intertwined in, in a way. Um, and it was just really cool to see. And obviously we'll dive in and kind of talk about some of the things we learned, um, here in a little bit, but just off the top, like I'll say, just like she said, um, humility and lead really, uh, do become intertwined. Uh, you cannot lead well without humility and I'll talk about that. You can't be led well without humility. So, you know, just cool how all that stuff worked out. Um, you know, I think I think we mentioned maybe our words for the year earlier. I think we I did. think in one of the early podcasts episodes where it was just the two of us. But um, yeah, it was really cool to kind of go through the year and see those words um, intertwine. And um, as just we faced the different circumstances that we uh, came on, you know, came on to uh, throughout the year. So it was really cool. Yeah. Well, actually, I realized that some of our listeners may not necessarily be familiar with having a word or verse for the year. So maybe we should take a step back and talk about that for a little bit. So what's been your experience with having a word and verse for the year? And then I'll tell mine. Yeah, so um, this is something that uh, kind of a concept that I was sort of familiar with um, before we got married, but didn't really didn't really apply it to my life or anything like that. Um, but then when we got married, like I just felt really, so we got married last year, um, 2022 and the beginning of 2022. So, you know, we still had, we got married in February. So we still had 10 months before we ever got to this year where we talked about words for the year, but all of last year, all of 2022, I just kind of felt drawn to, um, the word faith uh, kept popping up everywhere. And um, towards the end of the year is when we, like we were both working at Faith Promise. And um, that was kind of what introduced us to personal growth plans, which are also amazing. Um, And having a word for the year and um, kind of sitting and meditating on a, a spiritual theme that God gives to you. This is not something that you find on your own and just pick. Um, uh, And usually when you do pick it, it ends up looking way different than you think it does. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that's kind of where we first originally began to implement a word for the year was towards the end of last year. And then so this year, coming into 2023 fresh, we both kind of sought in prayer a word, right? A theme for this year, something that we felt like God was highlighting to us um, and something that we really wanted to focus on and meditate on as we processed through this year. Um, And having one word for an entire year may seem like a lot. It may seem like you'll learn everything you need to know in the first month and then, you know, you're done. But surprisingly enough, um, things are still showing up even now. And even as, as, which I haven't said the word for next year, and we'll get around to that, but even now as we start to transition into the to next year's words and next year's personal growth plans, even seeing how my word for this year ties into the word for next year. And same thing with you, um, which is, it's just really cool. So um, 
again, it goes along with or very closely related to a personal growth plan. But my experience for having a word for this year has just been learning things I didn't know I could learn um, about what that word means, how that applies to my life, um, and even looking back on things in the past and realizing, hey, how this word maybe applies to that or how I have grown in my leadership ability uh, in that or how I didn't even realize I was leading the way that I was supposed to be leading. And so, you know, without going into all the detail of what this year looked like, that's kind of, for me, my experience with a word for the year is um, it really grows you in a lot of ways. Um, I think mentally, spiritually, maybe even physically, right? Um, I know someone whose word for next year is health, and obviously that's going to come with a lot of physical growth as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's awesome having a word for the year, something to really focus on and watch as God highlights it um, to you in just many, many different ways throughout the year. So that's my experience. Yes. So for me, uh, a little bit similar, uh, but I did have a word for 2022. Um, I kind of like you, I'd heard about people like doing that, but I didn't um, know a lot about it, mm -hmm. I guess. Um and so for 2022, I decided that I was going to ask God for a word for the year, which is strange because this was before we were attending Faith Promise. I didn't know anything about personal growth plans or anything, but I um, asked God, you know, what should my word for 2022 be? And the word that I got was peace. Now, <laughs> at the time, I was like, mm, there's, mm, no, that's just, it's not it, you know. So then I went and, you know, asked God again what it was and he had already revealed it to me. So it was kind of like, oh, this isn't one of those deals where you get to trade in. Yeah. You know, I didn't like that one. So let me get something else. Uh, so I was like, okay, fine. I guess it's peace. Uh, well, like, obviously I didn't know about personal growth plans or anything. So I didn't necessarily, I don't think I was equipped yeah. to really um, go after that word. Like I think I could have. Um, but in the long run, like God used it anyway, and I'll get into it when I talk about my 2023 word because they kind of went hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, but all that to say, whenever that we um, started attending Faith Promise and for a little bit we both worked there, he still does now. Uh, but I um, ended up choosing a verse to go with my word because I didn't have a verse. Um, so I found a verse that went with my word. Um, and then whenever that it came, like, to the end of the year, and we were looking to 2023, um, we started learning more about, like, how to, you know, get your word, find your verse, do a personal growth plan, which we didn't really explain what that was. But it's basically, like, I hesitate to call it a list, because it's not really a yeah. list, but it's more of, like, ways that you are going to intentionally like seek God throughout the year. It's not like a legalistic checklist. It's just a way of like, I want to seek God more yeah. this year. And this is how I plan to do that, yeah. I guess. Um, which our church like puts a lot of emphasis um, on that and, you know, helps people like make their growth plan and everything. So that's where we kind of were equipped to do that. Uh, but that's kind of my experience, similar to yours. But I did have a word for 2022 yeah. before that we got to Faith Promise. But I didn't necessarily know how to pursue it, I would say. Nice. So Cool. Well, that being said, uh, what do you say we jump in? Let's, let's start talking about um, our words. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. You want me to go first? Um, or do you want to? I guess I can, if you don't care. Go for it. Okay. 
So like I said, my word for 2023 was humility. Now I'll back up to go back to peace um, because when I got peace, the reason why I was like, nah, that's not it. Cause some of you guys were listening and you're like, peace, that's a really nice word. You know, you should have been like excited about that, you know, but I wasn't cause I kind of, I lacked the faith to um, believe that peace would be my word. And which was interesting cause whenever I finally kind of like surrendered and accepted that peace was going to be my word, um, I thought that that meant, I'll back up and say that uh, I struggle with, you know, being worried and stressed and anxious. And, and I thought that when I got the word peace, that meant that by the end of 2022, I was never going to be anxious again. Now, did God, you know, say this is what's going to happen? No, that's not what happened. Uh, but that's what I took peace to mean uh, for my life. Now... What I didn't realize was it was going to take the whole year <laughs> for me to start even believing that I I had peace. Now, obviously, I have peace. I'm a follower of Jesus, um, and that is our inheritance as followers of Jesus. However, I struggled to really think that, like, that was for me. You know, it's like, yeah, like, I have peace, but I'm a warrior, so, you know, that doesn't really show up for me. Um, and that was kind of the attitude that I had. And it took all of 20, 2022 to like get to a place where I was like, no, like I, I have peace because I have Jesus and he is peace. Um, but I didn't really get that faith until the end of the year. So it was like, oh, it did. It wasn't like that. I had this year of, um, overcoming worry. It was a year of like really grasping onto the, the fact that I have peace. Yeah. Um, so then towards the end of the year, of 2022 in November, um, our church was doing, um, like a prayer gathering every Saturday, um, leading up to an event. And I was praying, um, at one of the prayer gatherings, asking God what my word for 2023 should be. Um, and what I kind of felt was humility. Now I was like, that's strange. Cause I've never really been an arrogant person. Yeah. Um, like the opposite, really. So that kind of stood out to me a little bit because I'm like, oh, I mean, I feel like that's not really a struggle that I have. I, I'm definitely not um, super arrogant and want people to look at me and everything. And so I, it wasn't like with peace where I was like, no, nah, that's not it. Like it, I knew it was it, but I was kind of like, okay, but like why, you know, what, what I guess am I looking for um, in this upcoming year? And so then um, the Lord revealed, um, my verse to me, which was two verses, uh, which I'll read it again. It's First Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast, comma, there's a comma. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, I'm sure that if you're like me and you grew up in church, I had First Peter 5, 7 memorized since I was a kid. You know, like, cast your cares on him because, you know, he cares for you. I, you know, have known that verse, mm-hmm. like, my whole life. Now, I did not realize <laughs> what came before it. Now, I'd read all of First Peter, but I didn't connect, mm-hmm. like, the dots. And I think we talk a lot on this podcast about looking at the context of things, not looking at a single verse in isolation and not looking at what's around it because you don't, you know, always get fully what that God's saying in the text. And that was the case for me. I'm like, okay, I cast my cares on him because he cares for me. But like in order to cast your cares on God, you first have to humble yourself and recognize that you can't carry those cares. Yeah. Um, 
So that was kind of like a mind-blowing thing for me whenever I, when God showed me those verses and that they were, you know, connected. Like, my translation literally has like a comma, like it's one sentence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's two verses, but it's one sentence. And so that was really kind of mind-blowing to me because I realized that Humility was going to be the next step in peace. It took all of 2022 to believe and know that I had peace. Um, and then this year, it was going to take humility to walk in that peace. Uh, because I realized it wasn't that I am arrogant, because I'm not. That's not really something I struggle with. But God showed me that like insecurity and you know fear is also pride on the opposite end, because you're not thinking, oh, I'm so great, <laughs> but you're still thinking about you and what do people think about me? And do they think that I'm weird? Do they like me? Do I think, do they think I'm stupid? You know, all these things, like th yeah. these are the thoughts that would be going through my head. Uh, and that's prideful too. I wasn't thinking about how much that people liked me. Like people yeah. like me so much, but I was thinking, do they like me? Yeah. You know, I wasn't seeing the people in front of me because I was thinking about what did they think about me, which is selfish and prideful. Uh, so that was kind of my introduction to humility. Um, and obviously in a little bit I'll tell because God taught me a lot throughout the year. But that was kind of when God showed me that was my word and how he showed me like why it was my word and how he was going to use it in my life. So Nice. So um, I guess it's my turn. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to go back and forth. Like you're going to talk more about your word in a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to, like, dominate the podcast for, okay. you know, a really long time. Okay, well, then I'll talk about how I got to my word. Um, so, really, the way that I got to, to lead um, is um, I just, let's see. So, the way that um, lead came into my mind and um, the way that I just kind of ended on that is... Uh, really through um, me being a new husband um, and not necessarily knowing how to lead um, a family very, I mean, really, I've, I've never had to do that before, obviously. Um, and so the word lead came out of really a need for it. Um, and I say a need for it because like, I can make decisions, um, I can lead in that capacity, but to be able to lead spiritually is a much larger endeavor um, than just being able to lead physically. So um, I landed on lead, like I say, kind of out of a necessity for it. So Leslie grew up um, in an environment where she really was drawn to scripture and knew it very well, um, had verses and even passages memorized and um, just honestly has a talent, that's why she does this, has a talent for diving in and learning more about scripture. Um, whereas that's not necessarily me. Um, one, I'm not really a, reading isn't my thing. So the thought of, hey, let me just sit down and read passages for hours doesn't bring me joy, um, but it does her. Um, and so all of that has kind of led to Leslie has a really strong grasp on the scriptures, a really strong knowledge of the scriptures. And I grew up in a Christian household and I grew up in a biblical household and, you know, I had great examples, um, set for me, but I never really 
tried to dive into that depth on my own before. So coming into our marriage, I, I kind of felt like I couldn't lead spiritually because I didn't know as much Bible as, as she did, or I wasn't as spiritual as she was. And one, that was obviously an insecurity of mine um, and something that I've had to work through and, and knock off. And you know, every now and then that'll come back um, and I'll have to intentionally push that thought out, um, even though that still may be true. You know, she, she may still know more like quantity of Bible verses. That doesn't mean that I can't lead her. Um, uh, and our own family, right? Uh, just in the future, as we continue on through life, like leadership is not something that's going to go away. Um, and so for me, it really started out of a necessity because I felt like I, I don't know how to lead. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means um, physically. I don't know what that means spiritually. Um, and even emotionally, I didn't know what that meant. So that's where I ended on lead, and the verse comes into play. Uh, again, the, it's Matthew 20, 26, um, and like I say, that's where Jesus is talking about um, being a servant leader. The whole passage is about being a servant leader. Which we talked about with Paul and Terry. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, I remember that now. We yeah. had mentioned, I don't know if it's, I think you had, had picked the verse for that. Yeah, I did. For that. And we didn't even realize until we got to actually recording that episode that that had my verse for the year in it. And so we did get to talk about it with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jesus talks about being a servant leadership, not just there. He talks about it all over the place. But I land on that specific verse because he's talking about, you know, the least of you, right, will be exalted in some capacity. Um, and I really take that to mean, or in this context, I took that to mean like, I needed to learn what it meant to serve. Um, I needed to learn what it meant to serve her, serve other people, that I can't truly lead anybody and can't truly love anybody if I am doing things for myself, kind of bringing in the humility side of things. Um, anybody can boss somebody around, right? Uh, there's a difference between a boss and a leader, and I think a lot of you probably know that, um, but the difference is uh, being a servant right? People are more willing to trust somebody that is caring for them. Um, and so for me, that is where lead came in. And that's why that verse uh, was the one that I picked is because I knew for me as a husband, as a leader at work, um, and just in different areas of my life that I needed to learn what it meant to serve others before I could truly lead them in any meaningful way. So. Oh, that's good. Cool. Hey, okay. before you start, I need a water. Okay. Stand by. I'm back. I got a water. Go ahead. Happy for you. Okay. Uh, so to get kind of deeper into my word and verse. Uh, so, you know, my verse verses were in 1 Peter written by the Apostle Peter. Now, what was crazy is that God started to reveal to me uh, which obviously, as you're studying your verse for the year, you're obviously going to look at the context, which part of the context is the author. Um, and so I started looking into um, the life of the author, the Apostle Peter. And what I realized um, is that he and I have a lot in common. <laughs> a lot in oh, yeah. common. 
Um, and so what was kind of interesting as God revealed that to me is that I was like, you know, actually, let me back up and give some examples. So Peter, when you think of Peter, you probably think of one of two things, or one of three. You're thinking of him walking on water and then sinking. You're thinking of him denying Jesus three times. Or you're thinking of how that he went on to, you know, become this great leader in the early church. There's probably the three things that you're thinking about when you think about him. I mean, that's kind of his three main, you know, stories. Well, but he's in there a lot. Uh, but what's interesting is that, like, two of the things that we think about when it comes to Peter is his failures, you know. But he goes on to be this great leader. So, like give an example of like how the, I kind of saw these verses at play like in his life in the gospels is whenever that he's walking on water. Now one thing that I think that Peter kind of gets a bad rap for is, you know, people say that he, you know, he, he doubted and he sunk, which is true. However, like he was the only one that had the faith to get out of the boat in the first place. So I think he deserves some credit there. Uh, Peter obviously has faith. He had enough faith to where that he literally left his entire livelihood of being a fisherman to go follow, you know, this rabbi Jesus. So he has faith. He's proven that in the way that he's literally rearranged his entire life around following Jesus. Then obviously we have the moment whenever that he says, when Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you know, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, he confesses, you know, with his mouth who that Jesus is. And it's obvious that he believes it because Jesus says that it's, you know, God who revealed that to Peter. So Peter has faith, period. We can, no one can really argue that point. He does. But his faith, you know, isn't as strong as it could be. And that's when we see, like, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he sinks. He denies knowing Jesus three times. But what I kind of started looking at with those moments, and not just those, because we have a lot of moments where Peter does something kind of dumb. You know, we have that a lot in the Gospels. Uh, but in almost every single one, what I noticed is that it seemed like that his reason for sinking each time, if you will, was his fear. And why was he afraid? Well, because he was thinking about himself. Let's look at the walking on water example. It says that he took his eyes off Jesus. We know that. And it says, when he saw the wind boisterous. So he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at his circumstances and he saw that they were dangerous, that he was in a dangerous situation. And then, you know, he got afraid and he sank. So like in that moment, what was he, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, what was distracting him? It was, you know, this self-preservation. I want to be safe and, you know, want to be okay. Then when he denies Jesus, he, you know, obviously I would assume that his motive behind that was he realized Jesus has been arrested. You know, we don't really know what's going to happen to him. I don't want to be arrested. You know, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. And so I think that he start in that moment, he chose himself and his own safety over Jesus. And even like the amount of transfiguration, whenever that he says that they need to make a tabernacle for Moses and a tabernacle for Elijah. And, you know, that's like, wasn't right. He shouldn't have said that. Like, it literally says in the text that, like, he um, said that, you know, because he was terrified or something like that. So, it's like, he said something really dumb that he shouldn't have said, and the reason that he said it is because he was terrified. Yeah. So, like, in these moments, in these mega failures, like, he's thinking about himself 
and he's thinking about Peter and Peter's safety. Well, similarly, like, for myself, like, I would say one of my biggest values in life, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but this year God's been kind of showing me how to rework it. One of my biggest values in life is safety. Like, I need to be prepared. I need to be safe. I need to be certain. I need to be secure. Like, if I'm going somewhere, I want to know ahead of time, like, how long are we staying? Who's going to be there? What's the expectations of, you know, this thing that we're attending? Like, I I need something firm to grasp onto. And I think that Peter is similar, uh, based on what I observed uh, from his life. So, and then you turn to Acts, whenever he delivers this, you know, powerful sermon, 3,000 people get saved. Like, you're like, whoa, like, how did that guy become that guy? Yeah. Because, you know, that is... We have this, you know, selfish coward over here, and we have this, you know, humble leader over here. Um, and so, like, similarly, like, looking at my verse, like, how did Peter go from literally sinking because he took his eyes off of Jesus and was focusing on himself to being the guy that could tell other believers to humble themselves under God's mighty hand, to cast their anxieties on, you know, the Lord because he cares for them? Like, how did he become the person that could write that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that was kind of my like arc so then it went from not just studying my verse but then studying kind of like a person um, so I uh, studied his life I studied first Peter and second Peter like very intensively um, and just different things each time um, stood out to me but one thing that I wanted to point out is that he says in 1 Peter 3, 8, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Um, and whenever I read that, um, I read that towards the beginning of the year because I was studying 1 Peter. And that kind of stood out to me because he says, a humble mind. He could have said, you know, a humble heart, you know, like, but he said a humble mind. And... In that, and let me back up, our church does at the beginning of the year, like 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, and I didn't really grow up in a church environment that, that fasted, that talked about fasting. Um, I don't really know why, but it just wasn't really something that we did or talked about. Um, so that was kind of new for me. Um, and one of um, the leaders at our church, um, shout out to Kristen, she leads the kids ministry at Faith Promise. She looked at my growth plan at the beginning of the year and like my work with humility and she recommended that I added an element of fasting to my growth plan because she um, said that I think that'll really grow you specifically in humility and so I, I humbled myself, if you will, and told her that like I didn't know a lot about fasting and I didn't grow up in a church environment that taught about fasting, that I tried it before because the Bible talked about it, but I didn't really know why I was doing it, so I just went hungry. It didn't It didn't do a lot for me because I didn't uh, know why I was doing it. And so she explained it really well. Uh, she essentially explained that, like, whenever that you are fasting, you're choosing to, you know, not eat, you know, because it's something that, like, your flesh and body needs. And instead, to, like, fill that time with prayer and seeking God. It's like you're emptying, literally emptying yourself and your flesh, starving your flesh, so that, you know, you can, like, feed the spirit. Um, and I was like, oh, that's, I definitely do need to do that, you know, with my word. Uh, so, in that 21 days of prayer fasting, that was kind of my first time, really, like, impl- fasting and knowing why I was doing it. I would say that was my first time fasting correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But like in that fast, something that God showed me is um, someone was talking to me. Uh, well, I talked to someone <laughs> and they talked back and I had no idea what they said back to me uh, because after I finished talking, I immediately went in my mind and I was like, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm an idiot. Like that <laughs> sounded so dumb. She thinks that I'm dumb. She doesn't like me. I can't believe I said that. What is she thinking right now? And then she finishes talking and I'm just like, I don't know how to respond. Cause I don't know what she just said, you know, cause I, I wasn't listening cause I was listening to my own inner dialogue. Um, and that's kind of whenever I read that verse in first Peter three, the humble mind, I was like, wow, like I, I need a humble mind. Um, which I think that that was something that I, obviously God showed it to me early on for a reason. I think that God was showing me that like, cause sometimes like when I would tell people my word was humility, they would be like, well, that's strange that your word would be humility because you don't really seem like a selfish person. I don't like, that's weird. And what I realized is that like outwardly, maybe I did look humble, but inwardly, a lot of times I wasn't. And the only people that really knew about that, you know, was me and God. We were the only two people that, you know, knew my inner dialogue. And so I think that God showed me that so early on in the year of saying like, you know, outwardly, you might appear to be humble, but inwardly, like you're thinking about yourself a lot, um, which was really convicting. I mean, whenever that I didn't know, you know, what this, you know, person said back to me, like I obviously like she didn't know, you know, we continued the conversation, um, but I was embarrassed even though she didn't know about it because like in a way, like I was embarrassed because God knew about it. You know what I mean? It was like, oh my goodness, that's so embarrassing that like I literally cared more about myself than this person because ultimately that's like what it was. Um, so like having a humble mind, like so much of like, I think selfishness comes in in your mind because are you thinking about like yourself, your own comfort, your likes, your dislikes, what do people think about you? Like all of that is pride and selfishness. And like, I think we need to continually like ask God to give us a humble mind because that's, like, if you have a humble mind and you're thinking humble thoughts, then, like, it's going to come out outwardly and it be genuine. It's not going to be this false humility, I guess, that I had outwardly. It's going to be real and genuine. Uh, but I did want to say, while we were on fasting, uh, what was crazy is the days that I would fast, I would not feel worried or anxious <laughs> at all. Like, the entire day. Um, and that's really rare for me. There's not a lot of days that I don't experience some type of like just feelings of anxiety like in my body. But like when I would fast, I didn't. Like most days I have some type of uneasiness in my chest. Like I didn't. Um, and that was really kind of like a crazy thing for me because like literally the simple act of starving my flesh and seeking God like had that big of an effect on me, even physically, you know, you mm -hmm. talked about like, you know, sometimes you're worried, you know, it grows you, you know, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And then you said even physically, and like I experienced that, um, not necessarily in like, I started going to the gym, but more in yeah. like, when I humble myself completely, whenever I die to myself, when I starve Leslie's flesh and I like seek the Lord, like it literally affects every part of my life, including like how I physically feel. Um, which was pretty crazy, but I'll let you yeah. take that. So some of the biggest things I think that I learned this year um, is 
you know, in, in what it takes to be a leader. Um, and I think that even a lot of people, they'll look at the word leader, right? Or the word lead and they'll think, oh, you know, that's for outgoing people. Those are, that's for people who are great at public speaking. That's people who like attention. And um, something that I, I learned even more recently uh, this year is that that is absolutely not the case. Um, anybody can be a leader. Um, and something that I have found, so in my job, um, I have to lead a, a team of people. Um, and on top of that, I got to lead a team of volunteers, actually. So um, at church, at work, um, I have a team of camera operators that are completely volunteer. They are willingly giving their time um, and for, for no compensation other than the fact that they enjoy getting to do it, um, they want to do it, and it, you, know, you have to lead a team of people. Um, you, know, you can't just not have a leader because then they're not, nobody's going the same direction. Um, and so, you know, to kind of unify a team of people, it takes a, a good leader. And anybody can be that good leader. Um, but it takes a few things. And I found that the things that it really takes, one, is love. Um, you cannot lead. A, and, and really, love, Jesus showed us what love looked like. Love looks like. But love means putting someone else before yourself, right? And, you know, Humble, well, true love has humility in it. And kind of going along what, what you said, um, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Like, humility is not thinking, oh, I'm terrible, you know, or like, oh, I'm, I'm worth nothing. You know, that's not humility. Um, and it's also not humble to say, oh, this person is worth a lot more than what I'm worth. I'm going to put myself down in an attempt to make it look like I'm elevating someone else up. That's not what humility is either. Um, humility is just thinking of yourself less, like not thinking about yourself. And in turn, filling that space of what you might be thinking of yourself about with thinking about other people, right? Trying to think of what they might need, think about what they might want, right? Think of how you can care for them. And so when I say um, love is one of the most important things that a leader needs, you have to care for the people or the person that you are leading. You have to love them. Um, you know, obviously, like I say, at work, that's what I have to do. I have to, and say I have to, like to be a good leader to these people. This is what I do is I invest in them. Um, I show them that I appreciate, first of all, what they're doing. I show them that I care about what's going on in their lives. Um, and that's just one aspect of what it looks like to love them. But then going, you know, to being a husband, right? To lead your wife, um, you have to obviously love her. Um, that's the bare minimum though. Like truly loving your spouse is putting them before yourself, um, knowing what your spouse needs and being able to, you know, Achieve those needs. I don't know what the right word is to meet say. Meet those there. needs. Meet those needs. There we go. Look at that English major. Yep. Um, yeah, being able to meet those needs um, because truly being able to lead someone, there has to be love in that. 
they have to know that you care about them in order to submit to your leadership. And kind of going back to what you were saying about how it takes humility to submit, that's 100% true, but it takes humility to lead well too. Because someone who's not leading with humility isn't a leader, that's a boss. Saying, do what I say to do because I told you to do it. That's just someone who's being bossy, right? It's so easy for someone to submit to, to leadership if they know this person cares about me, this person loves me, this person wants what's best for me, even if it may not be what I want to do right now, I know this person cares about me, and that is crucial to, that's what I've learned is crucial to, to being a leader. So first of all is, is love, um, and in that comes servanthood, right? This is what Jesus was talking about in this passage. Um, to really lead people, you've, you've got to serve them, right? Being a leader is not a position of status, um, and it's not something that you can kind of abuse or hold over people's heads. Um, being a leader, honestly, it's, sure, it may be taking a little bit more of authority and maybe a little bit more responsibility to be a leader, um, but it's in no way elevating yourself over the people that you lead. Um, it genuinely is, hey, I'm taking on the responsibility now to serve these people and to care for these people and to make sure that I am putting them before me because if, and this just applies in every aspect of being a leader, right? Whether you're leading a team at work or your family at home, right? Like if you are not serving the people that you're leading well, then the people that you're leading are probably not going to respond very highly to what it is that you're trying to lead them to, right? They, they're not going to unite under a common goal or a vision or whatever. And that's, I mean, that's not a team that's going to function, right? If you're looking at it in a work capacity, that isn't a marriage that's as strong as it can be. Um, and so that aspect of servanthood is truly very important um, by elevating what that people on your name, on your team need by elevating the people that you lead, um, elevating their needs and making sure that you can meet them. That is a super important aspect of being a leader. Um, and then the last thing that I would say is a really important aspect of being a leader is trust. Um, and let me take a sip of water. Hydration. Hydration. Important. Yeah. That's the, that's the, Part B of being a leader is hydrated. Stay hydrated. Um, no, trust is super important. Um, and you don't, you don't necessarily think of that immediately, but, and this, this really, it applies everywhere. A team at work, this applies you know, at home, in your family. If you don't trust the people that you are leading and the people who you're leading don't trust you, you're not leading anybody. Um, you're just not. So trust is essential. And again, going back to humility, like to, to truly trust people, you have to be open with them. Um, they have to be open with you. They have to trust you to be open with you. And the more open that you guys are with each other, uh, especially in a marriage, you know, we are fully open with each other because that builds trust. And when there's times where, you know, Maybe I forget to tell her something or don't tell her something or she keeps something, you know, uh, that she just doesn't want to tell me about or is embarrassed to tell me or whatever the reason is that breaks down a little bit of that trust 
and that has to get built back up and that takes time and in in that season of building that trust back up there is just not that level of leadership there's not that level of unity um that there needs to be to make a marriage function as its strongest suit uh, strongest ability or a team function at its strongest level and so trust is i would say one of the most important things that i've learned this year uh, and you know i won't spend a ton of time talking about it but these three things right love servanthood and trust um, have shown up throughout this year um, whether it's been something i've had to grow in something i've miserably failed at and had to go back and, and retry um, or whether it's something i didn't necessarily know about and had to learn more about it um, as we've gone through different circumstances of this year um, and just different challenges and different hardships right because life is hard sometimes um, i have learned that it takes uh, a leader that does these things in all in all capacities right spiritually um, i have to you know do all these things um, to be the best leader that i can be right i have to make sure that my spiritual relationship you know with god is where it needs to be um, that I'm investing into it. Otherwise, I cannot lead her spiritually. Um, I, you know, same thing for physically, right? Like helping make decisions and, and as we go through hardships and stuff like that during the year, like it takes someone, a leader who does these, you know, these three things, um, which is at least what I have learned in this year. So those are, like I say, some of the things that I've learned, and I won't go into a ton of detail just for time's sake, but um, really, a leader is someone who loves, serves, and builds trust with the people that they are leading. Cool. That's good. That. And I'll say, like, similar to what you were saying, um, something that God showed me in Peter's life um, was, you know, I... I said earlier in the episode, you know, like, obviously, like, it takes humility to lead, but it also takes humility, you know, to be led, mm -hmm. and, like, I would say that it takes humility to even receive servant leadership, because an example from Peter's life that the Lord showed me is uh, whenever that Jesus, you know, washed the disciples' feet, Peter's the one who's like, whoa, you will never <laughs> wash my feet, you know, and in a way that might almost come across as humble. You know, he's saying, like, you know, you're, you know, the Messiah. You're not going to wash my feet. Yeah. But I actually think that it was prideful because he wasn't willing to, you know, receive, you know, someone wanting to serve him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus says that, I'm probably not going to quote it perfectly, but along the lines of, like, if he doesn't wash your feet, then you have no part of him or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And Peter's like, okay, well, wash all of me, you know, and Jesus just washes his feet. But, like, whenever I read that account this year, obviously you hear about that story if you grew up in church your whole life. But, like, hearing that story this year, I realized that, like, to let, you know, my husband or any other leader, like, serve me, it takes humility from, from me as well to receive that help because I think a lot of times... The way that pride can show up is in, like, 
self-sufficiency, you know, I don't need help, I don't need people to serve me, I don't need people to help me, I can do this all myself, or like similar to that, something that God showed me in my life personally was like people-pleasing. We might think that people-pleasing sounds humble because you're, you know, wanting to help other people and make them happy, but your motive is to keep them happy with you, <laughs> not because you really care about them, it's because you want them to be happy with you, which is also selfish. So in order to actually like then serve those people that takes humility you know also um which the people pleasing one thing that i wanted to point out is throughout the year when we got to like november i told isaac that i was struggling with my word because i was like i feel like i'm not getting it there's just you know there's this like i've learned a lot but there's got to be this big like revelation that i am just like missing and like as i was you know praying about that what God kind of showed me was that humility isn't necessarily an instantaneous thing that happens. It's something that you have to wake up every day and choose. I'm going to live my life first for the Lord, second to serve others, not for myself. Like that's a choice that you have to make daily. It's not something that one day you wake up and you're like, I'm humble now. You know, <laughs> yeah. like you have to choose to humble yourself daily. And sometimes not just daily, sometimes like, you know, Minute by minute. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it wasn't that there was this big thing that I was missing. I mean, I guess it was, but it was more so, like, hey, like, what you've learned is the big thing. Take what you've learned and apply it. Mm -hmm. You see, I would look at Peter at Pentecost, and he's literally standing, you know, fearless. Like, literally before, he's, like, denying Jesus. And now he's, like, standing boldly, you know, essentially saying, like, if they want to, you know, come arrest me, you know, and, you know, kill me, you know, that's fine. Uh, like he was humble in that moment and I'm like, but it seemed like such an instantaneous thing for him. And, and it was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and that obviously was a game changer and did change. And obviously Jesus had also risen from the dead and he'd witnessed that. Like, you know, those are two huge moments in world history, church history, like and in his life. But he still had to learn to live that out daily and walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And a kind of example of that is in Galatians 2. Uh, I'm going to read Galatians 2, 11 through 14. So Galatians is written by the Apostle Paul, um, and he has this moment with Peter. So it says, But when Cephas, now that is Peter, Cephas and Peter are the same person. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So to give context, um, there was a sect of people in the early church that um, believed that Gentiles needed to be circumcised to be saved. Now, obviously, like, Scripture makes it very clear that that's not true. That's, you know, a false gospel. We're, you know, saved by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone. Um, so that was a false gospel. But out of fear of the circumcision party, you know, Peter had fallen into um, some not biblical um, practices and Paul um, called him out for that um, so like even like Peter's this incredible leader in the early church but he still has his moments where in that moment he didn't humble himself he chose to you know be selfish and people please and then he got called out 
So, like, in a way, that story comforts me a little bit mm -hmm. because it, it lets me know that even whenever that I've grown in sanctification, obviously Peter had grown tremendously from what we see in the Gospels. He still, because um, we're still in the flesh, wasn't perfect. He uh, still made mistakes. You know, he still had moments where he wasn't humble. And, you know, God, in this case, used another believer um, to call him, you know, higher and out of that. So... That's been kind of an interesting thing to learn at the end of this year is that, like, this journey doesn't end when this isn't my word anymore. Like, it's not like when, when the clock strikes midnight on January 1st, I forget about being humble. Yeah, That's not, you know, how it works. It's still something that I'm going to need to apply in my life, you know, minute by minute. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I wanted to um, point out in um, Peter's life is um, at the end of John. Uh, so Peter, you know, denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus, you know, he's crucified and then he rises from the dead. And then, as you all probably know, they have this moment by a charcoal fire where he asks Peter three times if he loves him. Peter says he does. And this is kind of his, like, moment where he is, you know, reinstated you know Jesus gives him literally like a second chance a complete do-over um, and this is what happens right after that uh, so this is Jesus talking to Peter truly truly I say to you when you were young you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God and after saying this he said to him follow me so Jesus was essentially like speaking a prophecy that Peter was going to be a martyr, you know, and die um, for his faith in Jesus. Now, what's crazy about this is um, we don't see this in scripture, but based on like historical like accounts, uh, Peter died a martyr, um, crucified upside down because he said he wanted, he at least asked to be crucified upside down because he said he was not um, worthy um to die in the same way that Jesus did. Uh, what's crazy is you think, whenever that he denied Jesus, you know, what did he not want to do? It was, you know, be arrested and, and killed. Like, he, he didn't want to do that. He had that, you know, self-preservation. I want to be safe. I don't want to die. I don't want to be arrested. You know, like, I think ultimately that was his motive, you know, for his denial. And then, you know, Jesus reinstates him, gives him this do-over, and then immediately tells him, like, you know, you are going to do this. You know, and I, that, might, that might be a little bit scary. Like, you know, you're literally told you're going to die a martyr. You know what I mean? Like, that would be, like, I don't know if you so when we read that story, really take that in. Like, Peter's being told about his death. You know, who, who wants to hear about their death? But he was. And, like, then, literally, like, historical accounts, like, go on to show us that, like, he did. But what's crazy is Jesus says, like, in this prophecy that you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Well, where he didn't want to go, you know, was with Jesus to the cross. And where he went, ultimately, was with Jesus to the cross. I mean, literally, he stretched out his hands on, on a cross. Well, I think it was maybe an X. I think he was maybe upside down on an X. But anyway, still he would have been stretching out his hands, like, in crucifixion, where he didn't want to go, uh, and like Jesus says, you know, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. Like essentially saying that, like, the way I take that is that he was saying that he lived for himself, you know, but now he's not going to make 
decisions for himself. You know, he's not living for self anymore, and now he's going to go and eventually, you know, die for his faith in Jesus, which is crazy because that prophecy is so specific. It literally says, stretch out your hands. So whenever I read that this year, I never really put that together until this year, and that, like, blew my mind. Uh, but then I wanted to point this out right after that. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that it is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Je I'm sorry, it's just funny. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So what's crazy is like, Peter's literally just been told about his death. Like how heavy would that be? Like I don't even know if I'd be able to respond. Like I'd really be, you know, like processing that. And immediately he looks at John and he's like, you know, it's like, if I'm going to have to die, what about him? You know, and I think that that is funny that, like, even in his moment of redemption, you know, he's just, you know, said he loves Jesus three times. You know, that was kind of Jesus given in his moment of, you know, redemption. He's had this moment of redemption, and then immediately he's like, but what about him? You know, he immediately goes back to his, you know, kind of selfishness and prideful thinking. Um... And, you know, Jesus gives him a subtle rebuke, you know, that says, like, you follow me, essentially saying, like, you're not thinking about yourself and comparing yourself to other people. You're following my will for your life. And if my will for your life is completely different from my will for anyone else's life, it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm in control. You're following me, um, which I think is really powerful. Uh, so that's kind of, I guess, my thoughts surrounding humility. Um, obviously, a lot of stuff to do with... Um, Peter, um, and I'm hoping to write a Peter study, you know, shameless plug, yeah. um, for that. Um, nobody, nobody take that idea. <laughs> Copyrighted. <laughs> Maybe we cut it out. Not really. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's been a very, um, like, informative year, I guess, a year of growth, a year of sanctification, a lot of sanctification. Like, there are things, like, the way that I thought, like, my, I was telling him this on, just on Sunday, like, my thought process that was so just normal to the way that I thought that I had no idea, like, how, like, prideful of thinking it really was. And again, not in an arrogant way, just in a, like, thinking about myself type of way. Um, and like now looking back a year ago, I'm like, wow, those thought patterns were so selfish. You know, they were not humble at all. And I just had no idea. And obviously that's why we have to take, you know, every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, you know, be transformed by the renewing of our minds, have a humble mind. Like Peter talks about, like, obviously our thoughts are a big, important part of it all. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to reveal my word for 2024 because it goes in. So 2022 was peace. Had to believe that peace was possible, available in mind in Christ. 2023, humility. Had to realize that in order to truly walk in peace and not be afraid, I had to not think and live for myself, but ultimately live to please Christ. Now, um, my word for 2024 um, is assurance, um, which it's funny. I've been telling the few people that have told my word when I told people my word was humility for 2023, there were a lot of people that were like, ooh, that's not fun. I hate that for you. I don't know what's going to happen in 2023, but that stinks for you. You know, that's not a fun word. And uh, with assurance, uh, I've been telling people that at first here, it might sound like a fun word, but it's one of those where you were saying that if you pick your own word, it's probably not going to turn out the way you think. I think this one's similar. I didn't, you know, just pick it. 
But I do think that at first glance, it sounds like it's just going to be like fun and like easy, but I actually think it's going to be hard uh, because I'll read my verse, which is Hebrews 11, 1. Uh, give me a second to get there, but Hebrews 11, the chapter is where that it talks about like the heroes of faith in the Old Testament and, you know, all the things that they did. But that chapter opens with, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So like assurance sounds fun, but I think what's going to make it hard is that like ultimately God's going to be growing my faith this year is what it's going to be. But like I think of assurance and like I said earlier, I want something firm to grasp on. I want certainty. I want answers, clear clarity, like a hundred percent need to know for sure, need to see it, need to, you know, be able to like touch it, like, you know, and like that's not biblical assurance. You know, biblical assurance is things hoped for, you know, conviction of things not seen. So it's like, I need to have assurance, not because I can see it, not because I can touch it, not because there's something firm for me to physically grab on, but that God's promised it. And that is enough to assure me. You know what I mean? Obviously, like it says faith is the assurance. Like that's what faith is, is God said it, I believe it. And obviously I believe the promises of God. However, if I was walking in full assurance, I wouldn't have worry mm-hmm. ever. You know what I mean? But what's worry? It's worried. What if it doesn't work out? What if God doesn't provide for me? What if he doesn't work everything together for my good? What if he does withhold good from me? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these what if questions. But if you're truly assured, you're not going to ask those questions. Because even if you can't see the future, you can't see if he's going to withhold good. You can't see if he's going to work everything together for good. Like you can't see it. But he's promised it, and so you're assured of it. Uh, so that's my word um, for the year. And obviously, we have a whole year ahead of learning, so I don't know what exactly it's going to look like, but I do think it might be a little bit harder than it initially sounds. <laughs> yeah, and to end things out, my word for the year is going to be rest, um, which is another one of those where at first glance may sound like, oh, man, that's awesome. You're just going to nap all year? No first of all, but, um, yeah, I think that's going to be one of those words where it may look and sound cool, but the reality is going to be much different from that. Um, obviously it's going to be very, uh, full of growth, right? For me and for us. Um, but I think that it's going to come with some challenges. Um, so for those of you who don't know me personally, I love to be productive. Um, we, One of my personality traits is tenacity, meaning when I start something, I hate to put it down. Like, when I start a project, it's all systems go until I get that thing done. And if I can't get it done one day, that's my project for the next day until it's done. Um, I just, I like to be busy. I like to work with my hands. I like to do things, to tinker with stuff. Um, And that can be good, but it also can, can be bad when you're spending... 24-7 being productive and not stopping to rest. Um, I won't go into a ton of detail, and I'll get to my verse here in a second, but um, I was listening to a podcast earlier this year, I think it was over the summer, from the Bible Project. Again, you know, we've used that as one of our resources. Um, Love their podcasts. They have a podcast on rest, um, about a Sabbath, and it... I'm going to go back, obviously, and listen to those episodes next year um, as a way to study and kind of 
learn more about the biblical principle of rest and a Sabbath, but it taught me just so much um, about how we as, first as people, um, but as Christ followers as well, how we are genuinely designed um, around the idea of a Sabbath. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean this legalistic pick one day and don't work, but more like we are designed to not go all the time. We are designed to rely on our Creator. We are designed to work, yes, because that's what, you know, that's what God says um, Adam is to do when after the fall, but he very intentionally does not say, you know, you're going to work 24-7 and not going to have time for anything else. And it's something that we, especially in the American culture, is we just have to be busy, right? We have to work as much as we can. We've got to make as much money as we can to pay off the bills and to, to save for a house and start the college fund and prep for retirement. And then by the time that you get to retirement age and, you know, your life is almost over, you have spent all of it just busy, 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 and now you can't enjoy the rest of your life. Um, and so for me, I, again, as someone who loved, I love to be productive, rest is going to um, be very refreshing for me, but it's um, going to be very challenging. Uh, something else that I learned on that Bible Project podcast was the definition of rest um, is specifically to inconveniently interrupt your schedule um, so that you can rely on the Creator. Um, and that can look like, hey, I didn't finish all my projects this week and I needed to get it done. Um, you know, personal projects, right? Obviously, if your job requires you to get something done, um, for like, get that done. But, you know, even, even there, like, do what you can, but if you don't finish what you're trying to work on, then take a break, right? Pause. Take a day saying, hey, I know I need to get this done. I know I got to run errands. I know I got to get these chores done around the house, but I'm going to, I'm going to trust that God can do more in six days than I can do in seven. You know, by sitting there and taking that extra day to work on things for ourselves, that's selfish. Um, and we don't realize that. And so, anyways, for me, rest is the word. I'm excited for it. Here's the verse. Uh, it is Exodus 33, 12 through 14. Kind of an interesting verse. I love Old Testament verses because it's, you know, a lot of people don't go there. Uh, a lot of people don't use the Old Testament um, in their everyday walks. They just kind of treat it like a history book. So I love the Old Testament verses. And yes, I do have a Bible with me. It's been sitting down here the whole time. Um, but it says, Moses said to the Lord, um, and I believe this is up, I, I haven't 100% looked at the context, but I believe this was uh, either Moses was up on a mountain or he was like in the tent of meeting. Anyways, um, Moses is talking to the Lord and it says, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. 
Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And this is really the focus of the verse. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Um, and so in kind of the context of the verse, right, Moses is interceding for the Israeli people, the Jewish people. Um, and he is, you know, just kind of saying like, hey, show me favor, um, show us favor, and like, you know, kind of make yourself known. Um, and that that's when uh, God responds and says, my presence will be with you. Um, and in that presence, right, there you will find rest as almost a way to say, hey, this is how you will know that I am with you, um, is this rest. And so I'm excited to see all that that brings. Um, Exodus is sometimes a difficult book to read, but it looks like that's what I get to read next year. Um, but I'm excited for my word. I'm excited for her word um, to see how those tie in. And already, you know, in my mind, I'm kind of seeing some of the some of the ties. And so that is, uh, that's my word for the year. Rest, Exodus. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a challenging one. Um, but I think that really rest is super important to learn now so that as things get busier and busier in life, we have that principle. Um, rather than just letting things build and build and build until it's too late, um, to really learn how to rest now, uh, I think is going to be super important for myself, for us, and for our future family. So Yeah, very good. Well, Love it. Thank you guys for um, listening this year. Obviously, 2023 was our first year of Well Read. Yeah. And it's been a great year. I am grateful to all of you for, you know, listening, watching, all the things. And I'm grateful to the guests that we've had on. Mm -hmm. um, we learned so much from them. And I just am grateful that they, you know, carved out time to come and be on our podcast. And so thank you to them. Thank yeah. you to Isaac for, you know, doing all of the tech video things. Um, yeah. I appreciate it, but we love you guys. We hope that you have or had a Merry Christmas, depending on when this goes live. Um, I don't know. If hopefully it'll... before. Oh, we'll yeah. see. Hopefully. I've got the next couple days off. Yes. Hopefully before. Hopefully you have a Merry Christmas, yeah. but if not, hopefully you had a Merry Christmas. Yes. This is our Christmas decoration for the podcast. This should have been here the whole time. You know? Why does it look red on screen, but it's green? That's the focus assist. Oh. It highlights. See how I'm red? Oh. And see how you're like, there's red around your head? Oh. Yeah, that's we'll see. It's this right here. Okay, for context for you guys, we have the same exact decoration in red, and it's oh. over there. It's over there. And uh, so I was like... Wait a minute. Yeah, it's like this is... Okay, you're, anyway. You're revealing my secrets. Yes, okay, anyway. We have a focus assist on the camera that tells me what's in focus. It yeah. highlights things in red. <laughs> Not okay. really red. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. But we love you. We're grateful for you. Hope that you have a Merry Christmas, and we will see you back for our January episode. We're excited yeah. for all that God has for us and for you and for Well Read in 2024. Yeah, but except don't go just yet. So you see how um, see how on, I don't know what side it's going to, it's probably the left side of the frame. See how the left side of Leslie's face is like really bright now? It's because the sun is shooting through our window and hitting her in the side of the face. Um and so, oops, but our curtains aren't dark enough to block that out. So, 
Hey, if you sat through and waited for that little gym, um, thanks. We appreciate that. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas, guys. Happy New Year. We will see you. See you next year. Everybody loves that joke.